No matter how much we try, we're only 50% of this relationship. No matter how much extra credit we try to do, we are only going to account for 50% of this relationship. So it's really about us and what can we do to find balance, not necessarily what can I do to ship things? What can you do to make something better? Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, I chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversations, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator and intimacy coach, Karen Yates. This week, the panel and I answer a Patreon member's question about the lack of sex when job ambition has taken over the relationship. Keep listening. I just came out with a new publication, and you can get it free. It's aimed at folks who want to learn easy and effective ways to connect to their partners in bed, leaving the guessing game at the door. It's called How to Say It Better in Bed, Three Practical Ways to Improve Intimate Communication. Whether you're in a long-term relationship or hooking up, you will learn some really easy things to say, boosting your sexual communication skills. Go to the show notes or karen-yates.com to download your free guide. Hey folks. While some folks have been engaged in quiet quitting in this last phase of COVID, other people are going full steam ahead with their jobs. In this episode today, we're going to be answering a Patreon member question about their relationship and what to do when both partners are seriously engaged with their work and sex becomes non-existent. In this lively panel discussion with recurring sexperts Tazima Paris and Matthew Amador, we give some suggestions, as well as some TripAdvisor notes on Chicago back rooms at the end. Enjoy. So today I am with my esteemed panel, sex coach and pleasure mentor Tazima Paris. Welcome. Thank you. And we have also psychotherapist for love, sex, and gender rebels, Matthew Amador. Lovely to be here as always. So good to have you both here. So good. Pleasure. It's always so nice. It's it's so unstressful to have you both on. Just like, yeah, I know, I know. They're going to deliver some goods tonight. They're going to deliver it. They're going to serve it up. With hot sauce. With With hot sauce. We were joking about Cholula earlier. I am going to start reading the question. Here we go. Hi, I am one half of a cis male gay couple. We've been together about four years, and the main problem is we don't seem to have as much sex as we used to. Having listened to your show, I know the answer is in scheduling it. And we do, but something always comes up, like last-minute family obligations, but mostly both of our high-pressure jobs and their immediate deadlines, and a return to business trips for my partner. He's an ambitious C-suite bound guy, and his job is one of his top priorities. We used to have a pretty great sex life, including backroom scenes pre-COVID. We just can't get it together and commit to time with each other, and this concerns me. My partner thinks it'll pass, but we've been like this for going on eight months. Would like some suggestions. Very good question. A lot of issues that are very common for folks. So I would like to just open up the question 
to both of you. My first question, is this really about work? Well, do you mind? I would love to start with this one. Yeah. It is and it is not. It's like what in math they'll say, or geometry specifically, a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. So it is, but it isn't. But it is, but it isn't. But it is. So in the way that this is and is not about work, I will say that I'm so glad that these folks are conscious about scheduling sex, about putting aside the notion that it has to be spontaneous for it to actually count. I'm really, really glad about that. What I'm also hearing, though, is that while that is the case, it doesn't sound like they're really prioritizing the relationship. It sounds like, honestly, when I talk to a lot of folks about their curiosities about going into non-monogamy, I usually say, well you're probably already in a non-monogamous structure right now. You just don't recognize it because your primary partner is your job. Your job is the one that's taking all this energy. Ooh. Your job is the one you put all this energy time with. Your job can call at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night and you're going to leave your house to go take care of them. Like your job is your primary. And that's kind of what I'm hearing a little bit here. Like it sounds like their ambition which is a wonderful thing to have. I'm not knocking that at all. It sounds like their ambition with this primary partner, their job is kind of taking some energy away that needs to be with the secondary relationship, which is their relationship. And I don't want us necessarily, I'm not pulling a judgmental card here and be like, oh, you're doing it wrong because your job is your primary relationship. For some people, that's fine. Cool. All right. So if that is if that is acceptable for you both, then some more attention just needs to pay to be paid to your actual relationship. Actually give it the attention that's needed because it doesn't just happen. Like if you even think of people who are looking into IVF, they have to make that happen around their work schedule. They don't wait for their work schedule to you know make room for them. It doesn't work that way. And in the way that I also think that it's about not that, <laughs> I want to suggest, what if you just redefine what sex is for you both? Maybe sex isn't directly related to giving the other person an orgasm or watching the other person have an orgasm or orgasms at all. Maybe it's something that can be for later. When you have time for now, you can do something and it'd be for maybe orgasm or actual sexual pleasure later. Maybe it's one of you recording a sexy video for the other. Maybe it's, hey, one of you leaves a jock where he's going to find it. Like after he's used it in whatever way that might turn you on. And then you can use that for later. Or maybe if they are non-monogamous, maybe it's somehow finding a way to include the other person when they're having an escapade and the other person's not there. Like I think there's room to just kind of like expand a little bit. Yeah, redefining what sex can be and really just paying attention to this particular relationship. Mm, fantastic. Tazima. Yeah, I'm seconding everything <laughs> Matthew shared. And the other piece I'm hearing is where the attention is, along with that sort of theme of the, the job as the primary partner, that level of stress of ambition and, and our attention on something that is really important and we're wanting to do a good job creates an energy of the breaks around sexuality. It's like, I'm so far into this activity, there's actually no sort of attention on the sexy part of my life. So the sexy part of one's life gets demoted. And this is for both people in the situation because it sounds like the person who's writing in is also not feeling so sexy because there's not the attention and the back and forth of like we're engaging in a sexy way. So I went to my, my research on this and <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a second. This also sounds like the dual control model, which is in the book, Come As You Are. It's described as 
where we have like a system that's all about the accelerator towards sex and all about the brakes of like stopping, like, oh, we let's not do it. Emily Nagoski's book has all the details and she has a website. You can do like a little quiz and find out whether you're like more prone to hit the brakes or more prone to the accelerator. So you may have a mismatch at any particular time, especially if someone's stressed out about work or, or other things are stressed out about the relationship that's not happening, like the brakes are on. So part of getting to that accelerator where you feel sexy and you want to move into sex is like, stop putting on the brakes. Okay. So, so you may have to figure out what are the things that are hitting the brakes for y'all that are stopping that priority from happening. The other thing I wanted to bring up is similar to what Matthew was saying about what is sex. Also the time of the day that sexual activities occur. We usually in the society, because work is more important than play, play gets relegated to the end of the day as a reward for hard work done. It's literally in the fabric of our society. One of the things I teach with my clients, no matter what gender they are or, or kind of relationship they're in, or even if they're single, is to put pleasure first. Bring it up to the top of the day so that you move into your day with the nourishment of this fun activity. So maybe you're not going all the way to orgasm. Maybe it's some stroking or hugging or touching in some way that feels good or flirting or, or sending a text message from the other room while y'all are both getting ready for the day. And it may not be a full on, like we're getting hot and sweaty and having full on, you know, intercourse of some sort or, or, or engagement that is going to end in orgasm. But it is time that we're spending connecting, feeling sensual, connecting with our bodies, being present with one another, being present with ourselves. And if you can't get even to this, to the person who's writing this, take that pleasure time for yourself. What can you do to create like a sensual feeling for yourself? And then once you have that going on, you can spread that kind of turn on to your partner no matter where he is, no matter where he is in his world, you can just kind of insert it with a flirty text or something along those lines so that both of y'all can benefit from the pleasure work that you're doing for yourself. So those are my thoughts. I love that because also brings back into focus that sexuality isn't just a luxury. It's not something that you can just like sprinkle on when there's time. No, it can be as important to you as your antidepressants that you take daily. You're not just going to take them just as needed. This is not how they work. It's something. It's something that's important to 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 your being. It's important to this to this relationship. At least not everybody's. But as the relationship is being described in the question, it seems like it is important here. So we'll give it its due. Yeah, and to your point, Tazima, about pleasure. You know, I, I often think about like when I read this question, I sort of get this tight feeling. Like we're so ambitious, especially the partner. Like I just feel stressed reading the question. And so I'm thinking about pleasure in general, like even non-sexualized pleasure. You know, how do you sit in your chair? Like, can you relax, period? Can you just give pleasure a priority in a very like low-key way every day? Even getting out of the like confinement of this, I'm driven to succeed. Because they do sound like a kind of a, an adrenalized couple anyway. You know, backroom scenes, they were into that. Like they're into, you know, getting into the C-suite, you know. So it just sounds like go, go, go. And can they learn to relax a little bit more? 
I have a question. What, in both of your opinions, is it an easy fix to say, take a vacation, like take some days off? Do you think that that can help situations like this? Or is it really about long-term building it back into your life? I can see it either way. What makes me hesitate from saying, oh yeah, go ahead, take some vacation days off is because then all the focus gets put on this has to happen now. And just like they also mentioned that, you know, there's some family emergencies that pop up, like nothing like I have to do this now to really make the the sexiness of it kind of like go away, hmm. the no. pressure. So I would not necessarily say that, but I think, yeah, more long-term building. I would add in that with this pressure on it being a specific thing, like it has to be these activities or, you know, even the vacation thing. Like I work with being off duty. You can be off duty anywhere. You don't have to leave the premises to be off duty. You can literally flip a switch to be like, well, not literally, but you can, you can decide, Hey, during this time I am off duty. I'm turning off the like ambition part of my life. Cause everyone needs to be able to go to sleep or rest so that they can go do that thing. And I understand that testosterone is a really fantastic energy booster. It's like, it's really great. And it works to keep going. And at the same time, like taking that time to just switch off sometimes. And what do you need to have in place so that the switch can be turned off? Because sometimes there's like duct tape on it. There's this rule I always have to be on. So even when people go on vacations, they can take their onness on vacation. And then you're spending a lot of money to be on vacation and be on and got to see this place and that place and actually have really good sex in the room that we get that overlooks this beautiful space or wh- whatever. So turning off, shutting down a little bit of the ambition and achievement and accomplishing, take the goals out of it. And I would encourage them to seek expansiveness and rest more so than achieving the sex or enough sex. I'll return to the discussion in a moment. Would you like to ask a revolving group of experts a question? Become a Wild and Sublime Patreon member for as little as $5 a month. Members get monthly content, discounts to shows and merchandise, and more. And you'll be helping support Wild and Sublime's sex-positive mission. Go to patreon.com forward slash wild and sublime. And now for the second half of the discussion with Tazima Paris and Matthew Amador. So one of our Patreon listeners just posted a comment. One wants to figure out how to set one's boundaries, which brings me to the question. You know, it does sound like maybe the other partner could be more ambitious than the one who's writing the question. What happens when your partner or you yourself are like so work driven? How does the other partner set the boundary? Like what happens Because this is a very real thing that happens a lot where the one partner is always just taken up with work and it's, it is the, the other relationship, Matthew, as you pointed out, what do you say? What do you say to your partner in moments like that? How do you begin that conversation? I would say before the conversation even begins, what I encourage people to do is embrace pleasure as a need. And if it's a need, then you can then have a needs conversation and pleasure can be anything. It can be something mundane. It can be something sensual. It can be something sexual. Yes. 
but pleasure is that as a need can be brought into a conversation about needs. So I have a need, you can say something like I need to be touched or I need to have a certain amount of time. So needs help us to determine what our boundaries are. So sort of I, I hold boundaries as like the circle and then needs and desires fall within that circle. And then things that are outside of that circle are what's outside of your boundaries and what you won't tolerate and what are deal breakers. So, so if you think about it in that sort of the needs and desires in that space, you have a need for pleasure. You have a need for closeness with a partner and a desire for certain specific kinds of activities. And as you come to the conversation, that is that, that boundary space. It's within that boundary space. So thinking about having a needs conversation is very different from we're not spending enough time together and, you know, and I'm, I'm hurting or whatever. And that's, that's not to discourage anyone from whatever conversation spaces they've been creating so far. And it's really important to put this into the conversation as a need, not so much as a complaint of like what I'm not getting. There's, Hey, here's what I'm moving toward rather than like, here's what I'm not getting. People can respond better. They have more capacity to respond when they know what they're moving into or what the desire is or where the other person wants to go. So that's the language that I would encourage the person to use as they're talking about a needs conversation and need for pleasure in particular. Yeah. I think it's all about trying to find balance. It's I, as much as I appreciate, I think there's absolute place for I language. I need this. I want this. Sometimes when you're talking about a relationship and about something really sensitive, that could be sex, that can be finances. This may not be the best place for I need this. I want this. It's we. It's a lot of we speak. It's a lot of we. Maybe I sense the balance is off. What can we do? Because also it's really easy then to have those I statements slip into what can I do to fix this? Or what can you do to fix this? Mm. And no matter how much we try, we're only 50% of this relationship. No matter how much extra credit we try to do, we are only going to account for 50% of this relationship. So it's really about us and what can we do to find balance? Not necessarily what can I do to ship things? What can you do to make something better? So wise. So wise. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have been in that. No, I have enough will to drive us through to... Collaboration is key. Yeah. <laughs> right? I will fix it. I will fix this. I know I will. Any, any final thoughts? Some very good stuff coming up in this, in this conversation. Take it easy. That's really my biggest... Like, take it easy. Like, I, I get it. It feels really hard and uncomfortable. And like, also just... Be easy on yourself. Both of you are doing the best you can at any given time of your life. Promise you, you're always, always, always doing your best. You just got to take it down. It's, it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish you all the good, the good juju that you can possibly use. Honestly, if you're, well, if you're in Chicago and if you're used to backroom scenes and they just haven't really been around pre-COVID, if it's something that you're into, a lot of those are coming back. A lot of those places are reopening. So that could be an opportunity if that just was easier for you. Right. Now, I see, I thought Touche's was already open. Is that not true? It's open, but it's not. It's actually, well, you want to get, here we go. So when Jackhammer <laughs> closed, a lot of people went over to Touche because it was next door. 
Mm-hmm. It's not the same experience when I, <laughs> I had someone who lived across the hall from me and they were, it was very, very unclean. And that person actually got evicted. And when they got evicted after not too long amount of time, the roaches from their place crossed the hallway. And I saw them come under the door into my place. Now, once they got to my place, they did not find it as hospitable as the place across the hall. And I don't mean to call everyone from Jackhammer roaches because I've been there. I've been one of those roaches that's been over there. But once I went across the hallway, it was not the same experience that I had that I had experienced in the lovely dankness that was the apartment across the hall. So yeah, touche is there, but it's not Jackhammer. There's also banana video. You can go to banana video. There's some glory holes over there and some video screens. There's also cell block. Cell block has a back room that's open throughout the week. And there's always steamworks. And there's always steamworks. There's always a bathhouse right there. There's always a bathhouse when you need it. Always. So come on. Come on. And maybe that could be the vacation. Who knows? Right. It would be a really cheap hotel room. A really cheap hotel room. I got to tell you. (laughs) Like really. (laughs) They do have a really cheap gym membership because they have a gym on the top floor. The gym membership is an on your honor type of thing. Like you promise that I'm going to go in and only go to the gym and then only come back out. I'm not going to dabble in everything else, but it's like the cheapest gym membership in town. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I took a, I took a tour and that gym is pretty fantastic. It's a really good gym. It is. It is. I would go there if they would let me, but they're probably not going to let me. I don't think not even for a gym membership. I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Cause I don't know, you know, I don't know if I could just make it straight from the door to the gym. I don't know if anyone who has the gym membership makes it straight from the door to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) There are a couple stops for cardio on the way up to the weights. (laughs) There you go. Check your circulation. Hot sauce, hot sauce. Sorry, that's all stuff for you to edit out. Okay. (laughs) TripAdvisor. (laughs) Wild and Sublime TripAdvisor gives (laughs) Subblock three stars. If you're in Chicago and looking for bathroom scenes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. To learn more about Matthew and Tazima, go to the show notes. And the holidays are right around the corner and the Wild and Sublime store is fully stocked. Get totes, mugs, and tees with our iconic cat logo before the holiday cutoff on December 12th. The link is in the show notes. Wild and Sublime is supported in part by our Sublime supporter, Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. Well, that's it, folks. Have a very pleasurable week. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David ben This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media, at rebelliousmagazine.com. 